0: Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. And our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him. So that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now let's get to the message. Well, you've got your Bible today. Are you ready to study the word? Are you thankful that your answers in the sermon today? In the message today, amen. Because when you come and hear the Word of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, you're going to hear and understand and have what you have need of, amen? Let's make our confession. Let's make it first time of the year. Let's go ahead and make it full of faith, amen? Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. If you believe it, why don't you lift up a hand clap of praise to God. Yeah, give a shout of glory to God. He's unchanging and so is His Word. Well, let me go ahead and and do uh, business real quick. I want to say congratulations to all of you. You have perfect attendance for this year at church. You've not missed one Sunday. I told Matt, well, he must be working in the back. I told him, you know, I've got several dad jokes that will only work for the next few days. Once we get into about the second week, none of these, you know, this year jokes won't work. Uh, but don't worry. The jokes only get cornier from this point forward. Amen. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Verse 8. I got a message on my heart that the Lord put there, and I'm excited to give it to you and share it to you. I believe it will set the trajectory of this year and your whole life. It will be the cornerstone of your relationship with God. I truly believe that. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. I want to share with you a message the Lord gave me entitled, The fire shall never go out. The fire shall never go out. will not you say this out loud? Say, the fire shall never go out. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. We're going to set up our study here and see a few things to teach us from the Word of God on just how we can accomplish that the fire never go out. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering.'" The burnt offering shall be on the hearth or the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall, be on his, shall put on his linen garment, his linen trousers, his pants, and shall put on his body and take up ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he will take off his garments, put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place." Verse 12, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13, and the fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never Go out. Before we move on, look at verse 12 again. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. It shall never go out. What is going to determine what, you know, the calendars flip and we're thinking about new year, but you understand today's the first day of a new week, second day of a new month, and of course a new year. What will determine the trajectory, the success of your life, and your relationship with God? What will determine if these promises, which are yes and amen, come to pass in your life, what puts you in a place to grow with God stronger and stronger day by day? What will put you in that place? The reality is this, that Jesus has accomplished all He will do at the cross. It's the finished work of Christ Jesus. Jesus has paid the price of sin. He's paid the price and the debt of sin. He will do no more. There's no more for Him to do. He's accomplished it all. In fact, at the cross, He said, It is finished. There's no more work for Jesus to come down off the throne of heaven to do in our life. Rather, what we do, we receive by faith the finished work of Christ. So, where, what, what's the, the mechanics, if you will? I know that may sound, well, that just sounds you know, very work, works-based or this, that. No, 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 no. There is a work to faith, Amen faith without works is dead and whatever's dead doesn't produce anything anyone ever had a dead tree in their yard around their house when you see that i've got one right now and it's not on my property that's why it's still up my it's on my precious neighbor's property and every time i see it there's one thought i have i hope that thing falls that way into the woods not on his property but there's like a wood buffer i'm thinking lord let that thing drop in between the trees right i don't have to clean up that that tree A dead tree doesn't produce anything. Dead things don't produce. Living faith produces the promises of God in your life. Taking action, we call it obedience, will bring about the promises of God into your life. And you might think, well, there's a lot going on right here. And in fact, this is Leviticus. And, you know, there's a whole lot of commands and laws. And there are, there are. But what can we pick up from this as New Testament believers... Well, I can see right here, verse 12. The fire on the altar. First, there's an altar. Shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest, that's the second thing I see. I see there's an altar, I see there's a priest. The priest shall put burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering and order it. I see an altar, I see a priest, and I see a sacrifice. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. And a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And the fourth thing I see is fire. You have a covenant form of worship with God, meaning that there's two sides. Someone say two sides. There's God's side and our side. And just like in the old covenant, we come to God to do business with God, to have relationship with the Lord, to, have, to spend time and commune with the Father. And what we can see from this passage of Scripture and the way that we approach God is it's this simple. You have an altar you are a priest, you have a sacrifice, and on those three things, you being faithful to do those three things, God will provide the fire. The fire that is on the altar of a recreated heart is the fire of God. The love and presence of God in your life is based upon you receiving by faith at the altar of your heart, fulfilling the priesthood of your duties as a believer... And bringing the sacrifice, which we're going to get into, which is all that you are, to God. And then He consumes it with holy fire. He fills your life with His presence and with His power. So, that first thing I want you to see is this you have an altar. Say, I have an altar. Leviticus 6.12. If you want to put a marker there, we're going to be, I'm just going to be pulling those four points out of that section of Scripture. If you need to, put your ribbon there, digital marker, whatever you need. But the first thing is, you have an altar. The fire upon the altar shall be burning on it. It shall not be put out. Turn with me to Exodus 20. You're in Leviticus. Go one book over to the left. Exodus 20, verse 24. God is giving Moses... And the people of Israel, many commands on how he wants them to worship him. You understand that God, he's king of all, amen? Amen. And so if he says it's good, it's good. If he says it's bad, it's bad. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And you, me, no one else has any right to argue with God. We won't get anywhere with it anyway, will we? If God said, this is the way, I want you to come. If God has said, there is but one way to heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and life, I can't debate that. I can spend my whole life saying there's another way to get to heaven. I can write a book to say there's many ways to get to heaven. I can promote other ideologies and beliefs. But at the end of my days, unless I've made Jesus Lord of my life, I ain't going to heaven. Because God is God. And when He says it, it's so. So He prescribes means and ways which are perfect. You understand, if God commands it, it's perfect. Amen? And He's prescribed ways in which we come to Him. Now, in this sense, in the Old Testament... God is giving an instruction concerning this altar. Because remember, you have an altar. Exodus 20, verse 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me. You shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your ox. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. Verse 25. And if you make me an altar of stone, you will not build it of cut stone. For if you use your tools on it, you have profaned it. I want you to understand, everything I'm going to talk about today and everything we're going to see from the Word of God is on the basis that by grace through faith you've been saved. It's not, I'm not saying you have to work your way into heaven. You have to work your way into salvation. That is not what I'm saying. You and I, we couldn't work our way into heaven. Even on our best day, apart from God, it ain't enough. The Bible even tells us that, right? Our works, apart from God, they're like filthy rags. But how many knows that once you get in Christ, it's not just you doing the work? Because Christ gives you the strength to do all things. There is a place in God where you work works of righteousness, where you have fruits of holiness. Amen. You think about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Well, how do I have, how do I bear this fruit of the Spirit Galatians talks about? Well, the same way an apple tree produces apples. The branch is connected to the trunk, and the trunk's got roots. And the roots bring up life up through the trunk, out to the branch, and that branch just is. It just is an apple tree. So that's all it does is it makes apples. That's what it is. You are a Christian, and you've been engrafted into the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what you do is Christ-like things. For when you do something that's not like Christ, it's against the divine nature that's been brought into your life by the saving grace of God. Amen. That's why you know some people, well, you know, it sounds a little bit legalistic. It's not about rights and wrongs and don't do this and don't do this or do that or do this. It's the simple fact that when I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a recreated person, I'm made new, and the life that's in me is not my own. It's not A.J. having a Christian experience. It's the life of Christ flowing through this vessel called A.J. Amen. And what I bear and what I do is righteous and holy because the power flowing in me is righteous and holy. That's real simple. It's real simple. We receive it just like that apple tree. That apple, Those branches on that apple tree aren't swinging. we got to make some apples. Got to make some apples. Got to make some apples. It's just the sap of the tree is producing the fruit in that branch. Now, you see right here, God tells Moses, when you build me an altar, build it from rocks that you find, rocks I've made. Don't take these rocks and stack them up and then carve images on it and take tools and shape them and fashion them in ways that you think are convenient or that make sense to you. You know, we hear about You know, the Bible talks about idolatry. And you might think, well, you know, we don't ever see idolatry. Idolatry is just things that take place in third world nations where they make these images and serve these other gods. There's plenty of idolatry in America. Anytime what you believe doesn't line up to the word of God, it's an idol, me included if it doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word, it is something either myself or someone has formed and fashioned. And God's saying, don't form and fashion something and think you're worshiping me. Take what I have given you. When you build an altar, build it of stones that you've not cut on. Just take what I have given you, these stones in the earth, and stack them up. You see that all through the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so many people, they do it. When they encounter God, they build an altar. When they encounter God, they build a place of worship. Notice this in verse 24. The last part of verse 24. In every place where I record my name, I'll come to you and I'll bless you. How many is called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? If the name of Jesus is in your life, the Lord's going to come to you and bless you. He already has. In fact, we see in the Old Testament, there's three places. Just a little geography here about Israel. There's three places that God records His name. Shiloh. Someone say Shiloh. What does that mean? It means the place of rest. There's a second place. It's Bethel. Someone say Bethel. Bethel means the house of God or where God dwells. And then last, Zion. Someone say Zion. Which means the throne of God. If the name of Jesus is above every name in your heart and you've made Jesus Lord of your life, God's given you an altar where He'll put His name and He'll come to you and bless you and you will be a place of rest. You'll be a place where God dwells and you'll be a place where the throne of God resides just like Shiloh, Bethel, and Zion. You'll be a place where you encounter God. How do I reach out and encounter God? Do I have to come to church? Church is part of it, but you ain't got to be in a building to get to God. The reality is that you've been saved and the presence of God's living on the inside of you. How do you reach out to the Lord? By faith, wherever you're at. Because here's the thing. I'm so thankful for the liberty and i don't take it as a i don't count it as just a light thing to be able to come to this house of worship this house of prayer because you and i have brothers and sisters in christ who if they walk through a door that bears the name of a church they'll die for it amen so i don't take it as a light thing it's a good thing to be among the brethren of god amen it's a privilege but you don't have to go to a place like these places in the old testament to get in touch with god You just reach out and cry out by faith. You just reach out in faith. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I love you. I thank you you've given me a place to worship. That you have made this body an altar unto you. See, because it's not your works that you're working up something to get closer to God. It's not that. It's you're living from a place of salvation. You're living from the finished work of Christ. You need to see this. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You have an altar. And just like in the Old Testament, it can't be an altar formed and fashioned with your tools, with my tools, me adding to or taking away from it. It must be what God has given us. It is the gospel. It's the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ that we build our relationship on. You know, Jesus told that to Peter. That Jesus said, who do you think I am, Peter? And Peter said, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, oh, you're doing very good, Simon of Barjona. You're doing real good. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And then that favorite part we like, I enjoy it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But what is the rock that Christ builds his church on? The fact that Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's the basis That everything we're doing here today and in our private life and in our relationship with God is on the basis that Jesus is Lord. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Now it takes both. Someone says it takes both. I had a precious professor who taught Christian doctrine and it's why you have to have your heart right. And be right before the Lord, because people who might even bear a title that are post, you know, you're supposed to be trustworthy, uh, he, he, you know, half time he came in, he didn't even know if he was saved. And he was teaching Christian doctrine. How do you know that, AJ? Because he told us. He told us he didn't know if he was half saved half the time. And he wrote, he wrote this phrase, by grace, through faith, and struck out through faith. Because the point he was making is it don't matter anything you do, bless God, God will pick and choose. You go to heaven and you go to hell. You go to heaven you go to hell. What is he doing? He's taking a stone that God has given by grace through faith and he's carving into it his thoughts and his imaginations. No, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. You receive what Christ has done by faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift. Someone say gift. It's a gift of God. You didn't earn salvation, you can't purchase salvation. What did they say to Simon the sorcerer when he sees the miraculous power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And he's a sorcerer and he sees people, they're, they're baptized in the fire of God, talking in tongues. He's thinking, man, that is some good magic. I wonder how much that costs. This was not magic tricks that he could purchase. This was a thing that's holy of God, and it comes by the way of faith. And it's not because I earn it. It's not because you deserve it. It's because the blood of Jesus cries out on my behalf, and I receive by faith. Lord, I receive that Jesus is Lord. Lord, I receive healing, not because I earn it, not because I work for it, but I believe that the stripes that are on my Savior's back bear receipt that I'm whole in my body. I receive that my provision is met. And I'm overflowing and abounding in financial resources. Not because I earned it or worked it up. In the spiritual, you're going to have to do some work, amen. You're going to have to show up to work. Someone say, show up to work. Yeah. But it's not because I'm working or or I'm become God's favorite. It's I'm believing and receiving by faith what He's provided. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. None of us can say, well, you know, I, I do a little bit better at this Christian thing than you though there may be some people who take more advantage of it. That's true. Paul said that. Paul said, you know what? I'm the least of the apostles. Because I saw Jesus through a vision. I didn't walk with him for three and a half years like these other apostles did. And not only that, he said, before I got saved, I was out killing Christians. I am the least among apostles. But he said this, but I outwork them all. He took advantage of what was given to him. He took advantage. He took advantage. See, the, the point I'm making here is you've got an altar, and it's just like you've got a Bible. But if the altar's got dust on it instead of fire on it, it ain't going to do a thing in the world for you. Just like if this Bible stays closed, I can say, bless God, I'm going to have the best year ever. No, 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 no. I'm going to have to take this and, and, and believe this and receive this. Say, so my year's getting better and better. Praise God, my year is getting better and better because I am of the righteous, and the righteous grow brighter and brighter as the coming of the new day's sun. Amen. My, my year is going to be the best year ever because I have the victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. My year is getting better and better because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. See, Paul made that point. He said, I'm the least of them. What he received, he received by grace, but he took it and he made it produce in his life. Yes. See, God's saying, You've got an altar, a place of worship but you have to meet them at the altar. You have to meet them in this place. It's not because you've done something. It's not because you or I have produced something or both something. I have to be real careful with that. Because some people, you know, from different backgrounds, I understand completely. We may have grown up in different churches or heard different things, and some people, they hear this, and the moment they hear the word work, they think legalism. But you can't separate faith and works. Now, the Bible tells us anything done outside of faith is sin. So what should I do by faith, A.J.? Everything. Because the just shall live by faith. Everything by faith. Philippians 4, 6. Everything by prayer. Everything you do, do it from the place of where your relationship is founded in God. Everything you commit to do this year, this month, this week, every waking minute, do it from the place that I am a son of God. I am a recreated new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a blood-washed, born-again, spirit-filled believer. And I'm going to do the things God's called me to do. I'm going to work the works of righteousness because it's Him and me living through me. Do it from that place. Not a place of, well, you know, I, I, I guess, well, when God was making them, He just made me a little bit better. I've met some people who think like that. Amen? You ever met someone that thinks like that? Yeah, when the guy was making them out, he just spent a little extra time on me. You, you men, you probably could use that for a pickup line, right, to your wives? Well, honey, I just want you to know, when God was making women, he made, he spent a whole lot of extra time on you, honey. I just want to let you know that. Today. Now, look, verse ten, verse ten, Ephesians two: For we are whose workmanship; we're his workmanship. Don't work on the things God's given you. Let God work on you. Don't carve the altar to what you think it should be. Let the altar be shaped and formed and fashioned and made by God. It's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done in my life. Now, we know the will when it's written. Amen? So much of the will we know and understand. The book of Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things of the Lord... But that which has been revealed to man is the inheritance of them that it's been revealed to and their children. God's revealed His truth. But in all those things, even what you know to be His will, Lord, let that will come to pass in my life. Let health and healing spring forth in my body. Let provision and prosperity flow from my life. Let me be a blessing to my city and my nation. Let me be a a wise person. A wise person is someone that wins souls to Jesus, that wins people to Christ. Let me be a soul winner, God. Let that will be manifested in my life. For we are His workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have an altar. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. You have an altar. And you are a priest unto God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Talking about this altar. If you have an altar, you have to have a priest. Now Jesus is our high priest, but we have been brought into the priesthood. Every Christian is a priest. Every born-again believer is a priest. What does it mean to be a priest? You are someone who ministers to God. You're someone who conducts worship. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You also, as living stones, there's those stones again, are being built up a spiritual house, notice this, a holy priesthood. For what purpose? What is your purpose? Why are you being built up into a holy priesthood? to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now jump down to verse 9, same chapter. But you are a chosen generation. Say, I'm chosen. A royal priesthood. Say, I'm royal. royal. A holy nation. Say, "I'm I'm holy. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You have an altar, and you are the priest at the altar of your heart. Now yes, Jesus is the high priest, but we see it right here. You have been made a royal priesthood. You have been brought in a, Why is that so important for you in your relationship with God? Because before Jesus came, there was a few people that could go before the Lord. There was a select few out of this whole nation that could worship God. And then there was only one, the high priest that could go into the presence of God and He could only do it on one day, on the Day of Atonement. But you and I have the privilege to be in the presence of God in an instant. We have instant access. It is as simple as reaching out in faith to the Father. The moment you want to talk to God, you can. The moment you want to be in the presence of God, you're there. By faith, you dwell in the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. By faith, you're there in the Holy of Holies. By faith, you can enter boldly into that throne room of grace. So the key's right there. My relationship with God and what I have, the relationship I have with God right now is 100% based on what I have done and received by faith. The limiting factor to the relationship I have with God is not God. If there's a limiting factor, it's on this guy. The person I see in the mirror every morning, it's on him. If there's a limiting factor, it's me. Now that's good news because I can change. God doesn't change. He don't need to. The good news is if the person that needs to change can change. And the person that needs to change and can change, God will empower to change. Say, change me, Lord. I mean, that's, it's a continual process. Lord, I want to be closer. I want to be stronger in you. I want to know you better. How many has ever been in that place in your prayer time and you're worshiping God or you're studying the Word and you realize you know God more than you did before, but what you know about Him seems so small. And your prayer becomes, I just want to know you better. It's like the more you know them, the more you realize there's more to know. There's a more to grow in this relationship. You know, that's just how relationships work. What you put into the relationship is what you'll get out of it. Amen. Amen. I don't know why no one ever smiles at me. Do you smile? It's hard to smile at someone. I don't know why no one came to talk to me. Well, just to be honest, it looks like you were a hermit for 37 years and just came out into society for the first time ever, and we didn't know exactly whether we were going to be able to get a handshake or a knife, so we just kind of kept our distance. What you put out is what you'll get. I just don't know why the Lord won't answer my prayers. Are you actually praying a prayer? It doesn't say, and if you think, it shall be given unto you. Well, God knows my thoughts, do He? He does. But that's not the rule. That's not the requirement. Because that's not faith. Because God says, if you ask, it shall be given unto me. You think about this in Mark chapter 5. Jesus is going from one city to another. Blind Bartimaeus, who's wearing a beggar's coat. In other words, anyone that sees him doesn't have to know him. They just know he's a beggar. And if they see him take more than one step or two, they'll know he can't see. And blind Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what does Jesus say? What you want me to do? do you th- does anyone think that Jesus didn't realize he was blind? Of course he knew he was blind. But that's not how faith operates. Jesus is saying, ask me. Because if you ask, it, it, it's, it's an example that you believe. You won't ask someone if you don't think they can do it for you. If you think they can't do it, you won't go to them and ask them. I have taught Naomi a terrible habit. And I think, honestly, I think, you know, we see these videos of dads, at least I've seen them, shared on social media, and it's like these awesome saves of dads, right? They, like, jump out and they catch the kid in the split second before they're falling or something. And it's totally cool, right? Because dad's always there to catch them, whatever. But the truth probably is, dad was letting them do something a little sketchy, and then it went too far, right? And then dad's, oh, goodness, uh," you know. Well, Naomi, she's loving the climb, and she climbed up on this. We have this table in our living room, this short little table, and she figured out if she pushes the footstool to it, she can get on the footstool from there up onto the table. Baby steps, literally. And so she gets on that table, and she realized she could walk across the table. I thought it was cute. Probably not the safest thing in the world, but it's cute, right? So we'll let it happen. Well, I stuck out my arms. What'd she do? She stuck her arms out to me. She didn't look down. She stepped. She did a total Lord Jesus out on the water. She stepped out in the air and came to me. The Bible says imitate Christ. She steps out in the air. Why'd she do that? Because she knew I'd catch her. She knows this means I got you. When you reach out in faith, what you're doing is you're that little child reaching out to the Father. Because I know when I reach out, I won't be denied. I know that if I come before the Father, He's not going to turn me away. He's not going to turn me away. When I come to Him, His heart of love and His hands of mercy are bringing me in, and He ain't going to let me fall. That's what faith looks like. Andrew Murray, a mighty man of God, and I consider him a father in faith, he said this, Answered prayer is the interchange of love between a father and his child. What's answered prayer? Is it a mysterious thing? No, it's just God loving you but there's a means by which we go to the Lord. There's a priesthood. God gave us a priesthood. You see that in verse 10. You're a royal priesthood so that you can proclaim the praises of Him. That word praises is in the Greek arte. And that word arte means this. It means to display, to put on show, to give an example. You've been saved, yes, so that you don't have to go to hell. God don't want you to go to hell. Hell wasn't made for people. It was made for Satan and his fallen angels. It was made for those who rebelled against God. But when humanity began to follow in like passion of Satan and rebel against God, they got the inheritance of rebellious people, which is hell. But it wasn't made for people. Heaven and the presence of God was made for you. Relationship with the Father was made for you so that you could show what it looks like to be saved. Well, That's awful bold. yes. That's called the life you have in Christ Jesus. That's called the normal Christian life. When everyone's fearful and fretful, full of faith, joy, peace. Why? Because I'm a priest unto God. I have a relationship with the Father. And I don't have to wait on the Day of Atonement to go before God. I can go in a moment and be in the presence of God. In fact, He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. You have an altar, you are a priest, and you have a sacrifice. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You have a sacrifice. Now, in Old Testament, if you read any of that in Old Testament, you might think, well, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, A.J. It was lambs and bulls and goats and sometimes birds and flour and oil and different types of sacrifices. You'd be exactly right. You might say, "Well, well, I've never seen anyone in modern day in the New Testament in the church sacrifice is sacrifice and I would say you have you just don't know it if you don't realize it. When you made Jesus Lord of your life, you laid your life on the altar. The moment you said Jesus you're my Lord you gave him everything you were and you laid your life down on the altar. Romans 12 verse 1 I beseech you Paul's saying here by the Spirit of the Lord, I urge you, I beg of you. If you, therefore, brethren, can see the mercy that God's had toward us, then you will do this. You will present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, rational, totally normal service to God. Paul's making this point. In light of all that God has done for you through Jesus Christ it would be the only reasonable, the only rational, the only thing that makes sense is that you will give everything you have to Him. It's this simple. If Jesus gave His life for you, that's all He wants in return. He wants your life. Verse 2, And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. There's so much in that portion of Scripture. But what I want you to see is this. You have an altar... You have a place you meet with God based on the saving grace of Christ Jesus. You are a priest. You don't need anyone to go in between you and God for you. That's important. Look, it's good to have people praying with you. Someone say with you, but not for you. Not in the sense of do the praying for me. I can't let my wife do my praying for me. She can't do, I can't do her praying for her. I can intercede, I can pray for, and you should. We're required by the Bible, it tells us to. But I can't do I can't get saved for somebody. I can't get filled with the Holy Spirit for somebody else, and they can't do it for me. At the end of my days, I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and I will be judged based on what I did. Not what anyone else did. And right now, the life we're living right now, the life I'm enjoying right now is on the on basis on what I've done and what I'm doing. But what you see right here, verse 12, one, or chapter 12, 1 and 2, you have a sacrifice. What's your sacrifice made up of? It's made up of your body. Verse 2, it's made up of your mind. And it's made up of your will. God wants your body. He wants your mind. He wants your will. See, when you get saved, what happens? Your spirit that was dead in sin is made alive. Amen. The spirit is made alive. What has to take place after that? Because your spirit's what gets saved and recreated. The soul and the body, this mind, that's where the soul is. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. If you get a hold of that, that'll change your relationship with God and faith and the Bible real big time. Because many of us run around and we think this is all that we are. What I can see. This ain't me. Just like this jacket ain't me. If I took off this jacket and set it over there and you went over there and started talking to AJ but was looking at my jacket, I'd call some friends who wear white coats to come take you off in an ambulance. Because this jacket ain't me. This body ain't me. The soul, your will, your emotions, your intellect, that's not you. That's just the way your spirit expresses you. You are a spirit. See, the Bible says that God's a spirit. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We do what First Peter 2, we just read it. We're a priesthood to give spiritual sacrifices to God. Those spiritual things by faith sometimes are expressed through the mind, through words, through thoughts, through desires, through the hands, through the feet, through the speaking, through the body. But we're not our soul. We're not our body. Pastor Lester Sumrall, he made a powerful statement. He said, the the soul and the body make terrible masters, but wonderful slaves. What do you see in our nation and many other nations? When a nation lives to the lust of its flesh, the lust of the mind and the pride of life, they they fall into the depths of murkiness of sin. And that's when you see things, you think, my God. God, how could someone ever do that? They've given themselves over to the appetites of their flesh and to the deceptiveness that reigns in their mind. See, the sacrifice you have is your body. God wants your body. Think about it. The Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus, the Word, became flesh. Why did he become flesh? Why did he need a body? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that the first Adam sinned. A man transgressed against God. So in order for that debt to be paid, a man had to do it. And Philippians 2 tells us that God, Jesus, He humbled Himself to humanity. And He had to come in a body to do the work of salvation. Anything that God's going to do on the earth is going to be done through a body. Well, He's doing it. Yes, He does it through a vessel, through a body, through a person. He wants you to do the works of Christ. That's why I'm saying here, you're a living sacrifice. See, God has no use for a dead one. He didn't say, lay on the altar and play dead. (laughs) Lay on the altar and be a living sacrifice. Where I go, Christ is going. I've said this before, and a few times I get a little weird works looks, but you know I have some people say, "I hope it's going to be a good service day." It will be. Jesus is here, because I'm here. Oh, that's a little braggadocious, isn't it? No, that's Bible truth. Because if 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 Christ ain't in me, I ain't saved. So He's got to be, because I know I'm saved. Are you know you saved when He's in you? And if I show up and you show up, it's going to be a good service if we'll get the soul and the body under some submission and let the Spirit come out. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't know about that. Sometimes that looks strange. I tell you what, I've seen a lot of sin and done, and I think, you you know what, when I say sin and done, and unfortunately I've partaken in some of that in times going by, thank God He's dead and in the grave. But when you see displays of sin, it looks strange. It looks weird. It looks crazy. It looks wild. I'd rather be wild and full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'd rather be full of the Spirit of God and it be strange. I'd rather it be a heavenly strange than an earthly strange. When we yield the body and we yield the mind, how do we yield the mind? We renew it. We wash it by the water of the Word. We let the Word reprogram our mind. We let the truth of God come in and flush out anything that don't agree with it. And when we do those things, we're surrendering our will to God so that His will will be in the earth as it is in heaven. I wish my house looked more like heaven. Surrender your will. I wish my life looked more like heaven. Surrender your mind. Surrender your body. Surrender your will. Give your life to God as a sacrifice and see what He'll do with it. Because what He'll do with it is He'll consume it with holy fire. He'll consume your life with the love and the power and the presence of Himself. Turn with me as we come to a close. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. We started this morning in Leviticus 6. And what we were reading was instructions that the Lord was giving Moses and Aaron in the priesthood. He was giving them instructions for what he was about to do. You know, I learned this real quick. Last Christmas, not 2021, but 2020. That was a pretty easy one as far as toys went for Naomi, right? Because they're baby toys. They, They weren't that hard to get put together. But this Christmas, more parts, more screws, more bolts, more instructions. And what I've quickly learned is read the instructions first. So that when I'm done, I don't say, I don't need these seven screws. (laughs) These people that made this thing, they don't know what they're doing. Naomi's out playing with it and all falls over. Oh, I guess that's what the seven screws was for. Okay, all right. God is giving Moses and Aaron the instructions first. And when they obey the instructions, say obey the instructions. instructions. When they obey the instructions, when they get an altar ready, when they get the priesthood ready, when they get the sacrifice ready, they've done their part. When you get your altar right, when you get your priesthood right, when you get your sacrifice ready, a daily thing, you get your sacrifice ready, you've done your part. The rest is up to God. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23. They did all these things. They got the altar, they got the priesthood, they got the sacrifice. And what happens? Verse 23 of Leviticus 9. And Moses and Aaron went to the tabernacle of meeting. And they came out and they blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. And the fat on the altar... And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. When they got the altar ready, when they got the priesthood right, when they got the sacrifice prepared and brought it before the Lord, there was one thing left that they needed. They needed fire from God. This is the fire that must never go out. The fire originally came from heaven but it was the priest's job to maintain it. This is the fire that God is commanding them. Don't ever let it go out. I'm going to give you fire in your heart. I'm going to give you the fire of God and you don't let it go out. You put wood on it every morning and every evening. You maintain this fire from heaven. You allow this work that has begun in you to continue in you by the power of God. My God. Luke 3.16, John answered and said unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes. The strap of his shoe I'm not even worthy to unloose. And he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, and the chaff he'll burn up with fire unquenchable." Acts 2, three And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and sat it upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Malachi three two, But who may abide in the day of His coming? And who will stand when He appears? For He's like a refiner's fire, and a fuller's soap. And as He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and will purify the sons of Levi, the priesthood, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may Offer unto the Lord an offering of righteousness. Hebrews 12, 29. For your God is a consuming fire. The relationship you have with God is based on your faith in Him. Amen. You encountering Him. Now you might say, Well, what does that look like? What's some practical things I can do? Daily prayer. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Daily prayer. Daily prayer. Reading your Bible. Come to church. Worship. Giving. Prayer with fasting. My goodness, it's lunchtime, isn't it? Prayer with fasting, lunchtime. (laughs) Telling someone about Jesus. Praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your most holy faith. Love, walking in love. Notice in Leviticus, God didn't say, I'll make the altar, I'll make the priesthood, I'll bring my own sacrifice, and I'll burn it up myself. Faith with God is a relationship. And the relationship I have with God is based on me coming to Him. It's a principle. James 4.8, draw nine to me, and I will draw nine to you. I just, wish I, I just wish God would hear me. I just wish I could hear from God. Oh, reach out in faith, you will. Stay in faith, you will. Stay in, Pastor talked about this last week, and it's, I mean, when I hear stuff like that, it turns me on fire because I know it works. He was talking about spiritual disciplines. Some people think, well, my goodness, that just sounds like a whole lot of work. You know, I just haven't seen any acts of love that weren't displayed physically, that weren't displayed emotionally, that didn't involve me doing something towards someone. When you love someone, you'll live different. Amen. When you have faith in God, you live different. And it's so beautiful because it's like sowing a seed in the ground. You bring the seed, you till the dirt, you water it, and God brings the increase. There's a supernatural work that takes place on what we may think to be very natural and normal things. But you see it all through Scripture. You see it all through Scripture. God said in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. Some people say, bless God, I'm the head, not the tail. You are in Christ Jesus. Glory to God, I'm blessed going in, blessed going out. Yes, you are. what you do today? Man, I kept that recliner warm, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> bless the work of your hands. I'm all for rest. There's, there's good days of rest. One day of rest, I think is real good a week, real good a week. America, we rest too. Anyway, I won't get into that. I'm, I won't take your Saturdays from you. But God said, bless the work of your hands. When I hear that, I say, my God, all I got to do is work and he's going to bless it? Now we've got to do some wise planning and get wisdom from the Lord. But he's going to bless the work of my hands. Give and it shall be given unto me. Oh, wow. I just got to sow. I just got to give by faith and I'm going to get blessed. Praise God. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and it, uh, you'll find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of your heart knocking. And if you open your heart, I will come in and dine with you. Amen. Faith is a two-way street. Faith is coming to God and saying, Hebrews 11, 6, I believe you are who you say you are. And what does it say after that? And He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Not, he's the rewarder of any Joe Schmo. No offenses to Joe Schmos. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. There's a place where Larry Lee was a pastor. He wrote a book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And our pastor wrote an outline. Larry Lee got it from the same place. Pastor David Youngie Cho on praying the Lord's Prayer. And he makes an example. Larry Lee makes an example in that book. He said it's kind of like working for the power company, telephone company. Some days you're setting poles. Some days you're running wire. Some days you're hooking in transformers. And some days you make a connection. That's, that's faith in God. Some, you, because you can't be dictated. Well, I sure didn't feel like it. I prayed for 30 minutes and I didn't feel nothing. Prayer ain't based on your feeling. That old soul, put that old soul under. You better feel happy because you just met with God. And the petitions that I brought before Him in faith, I consider them done in Jesus' name. And you may not feel it, old soul, and you may not touch it yet, old body, but what my heart believes, my eyes will see. It's reaching out in faith. It's not on feeling. It's not on the want-tos. Don't, don't submit to the want-tos. Submit to what's right, and that's what I do. What's written, that's what I do. What has God said, that's what I commit to. And, and, and it looks. I, there's no other way around it than looking. Some might say, well, doing. Uh, it's almost like you had a laundry list, AJ. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that you're going to have to do because that's what faith looks like. Faith has an action to it. Faith has a doing about it. God told Abraham, I have a land for you. I'm going to give you a blessing of land that's the largest inheritance ever. And your children are going to live in it forever. But Abraham, you're going to have to leave the land of Ur. You're going to have to leave your family and your culture and get out of all of that idolatry. I've got something for you, but you're going to have to do something to get to it. He told that to the children of Israel. In the day that you possess the land that I have given you. The children of Israel, they never quite got a hold of that. That first generation, they died in the wilderness because they couldn't get a hold of the fact that God had already given it to them. They just had to go get it. The finished work of Christ is done. I just receive it. And that receiving looks like different things. It looks like staying in prayer. I pray. I pray every day. Just like I say I love you to my wife every day. And I give her a kiss, many of them every day, amen. And hug her and show affection to her because I got a relationship with her. I pray to God because I got a relationship with Him. I'm studying His Word because when I hide His Word in my heart, I won't sin against Him. When I allow His Word to come into my heart, I'll change the way I think and I'll walk in line with God. There's a way to live because you've got an altar. Your recreated heart. That's where God's gonna meet you. God's gonna meet you at the place of faith. You're a priest. You can love and serve and work unto God. You have a sacrifice. It's yourself. And God will provide the fire. And I believe in the name of Jesus, not one of us here today, listening online or watching the replay, will ever get to the point where we allow the fire to dwindle down, to grow cold or go out. But I believe, I believe that we will rise up and let the fire grow hotter and hotter and hotter. Just like you have that old campfire and you sit around and you keep throwing stuff in it and it gets bigger and bigger. That's what I see for the spirit life of your life. I see the fire of God in your life getting brighter and hotter and brighter and hotter and that the fire of God consume anything that would come against your relationship with Him and that you grow stronger and stronger in God. That's what I believe. How many believe that as well? Amen? Well, stand up on your feet as we go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you, God, and I thank you. I thank you for this people. I thank you for this church family, how I love them and how you love them, Lord God. And I thank you, Father God, that your heart is set towards them. You've displayed it through the work of Christ. Jesus taking up our cross, paying our sin debt and filling our grave, showed the greatest display of love ever. Lord, may we understand and know the depths of that love more than we've ever in our lives. Lord, open the hearts of our eyes to see the true treasure and riches of Your love that You've poured out on us by the Holy Ghost. For Lord, our desire, the cry of our heart and even our flesh, Lord, is Your presence, Your goodness, Your love and mercy. It's You, Father. You're the desire of our heart. And I thank You, Lord. You are so faithful that as we come closer and closer and closer to You, You draw unto us. You bring us in with the arms of Your love. Pray this prayer by faith. Say, Father, I commit to You everything I am. Everything I am. Every thought, every word, every action. I give it to you. I am yours. I love you, Father. And you're my desire. I thank you, Lord. You've made a way by the blood of Jesus, who is my Lord, to allow me to come to you. Freely I come, and I'll never depart. I'll never draw back. I'll only come closer, only burn hotter. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given me the fire of your heart in my heart. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, won't you lift up a hand clap of praise, shout amen, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I bless this church. I bless this people. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, as the days come to a close... The reaper will quickly overtake the plowman. I thank you, Father, for an exponential increase in divine possession. We reach out by faith, Lord, and we thank you that what we will experience in the days to come will not be things that any eye has seen, any ear has heard, or any mind has imagined. It will be far greater. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. I love you. Praise God. Amen. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith For My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.